0: A charming smile, a magnetic personality, and a violent secret. For decades, his rage simmered beneath the surface until one day, he was exposed for the monster he always had been, one of America's most prolific and renowned serial killers. This week's episode is Ted Bundy. A bump in the night, your heart fills with dread. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. How often a week would you say you talk to strangers?
1: Um, do you try to avoid it? Well, I'm thinking. My first thought was, how often do I go through a drive-through? Because that would be. <laughs> Don't, wouldn't you say people in drive-through become your friends? Pretty <laughs> That's quickly? true. Well, I, have you heard my stories of drive? <laughs> they become my enemies usually. Probably during the week, I would say I talk to strangers. Three to four times I just try to avoid them Not a time I mean it, But only because I have to True Well yesterday We went to the zoo And I spoke to several Strangers there Did you About what Were they workers at the zoo Yeah
0: okay. I mean I mean just Not even You know Not like a, an employee Of a Target Or a drive-thru or Oh
1: Then never Yeah <laughs> Very, very rarely, unless they're doing
0: me a service. Do I've been I really I've been accosted twice in the last few days by strangers. Once at Sam's, I was buying toilet paper. I'm very particular. I was by Charmin Ultra Strong. This podcast is not brought to you by any is kind that of with the paper. bears. Yes, um, I only use, use Charmin Ultra too. Strong. And oh, I was picking it up off the shelf at the Sam's, and the woman said, "Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me." And I turned and looked at her, and I had my AirPods in, and I took it out, and she said, "I'm one of those douchebags that wears AirPods." And she said, uh, "The other brand is on sale." So I said thank you I'm very particular about what goes in and around my butthole so I'm gonna go ahead and get this one but thank you for the did you chit. say
1: butthole to her uh, I did you did not no I, said,
0: <laughs> I just said uh, thank you uh, I just, I'm just. i very particular I'm gonna get this one and uh, she said alright then that's fine she was so mad at wow, me wow she was personally affected by affected my affected by choice. the fact that
1: you wouldn't Heed to her suggestion. Yes.
0: And then today I was trying to open a door after 6.30 p.m. Our office building closes. My coworker was trying to get in. And I was trying to, you know, kind of finagle the door and let her in. And a finance bro who a lot of them work in our buildings like doors locked. It's locked which I could tell because it wouldn't open. Well, that's just mansplaining. And then he goes, uh, they locked the door after a certain period of time and you can't get in. You have to go to another door. It was just the most solid mansplaining. And I thought, I'm going to kill a person on an elevator.
1: <laughs> well, and then his body will be in there until yeah. they open the door. <laughs> so we had to get in the elevator together. I thought, oh. I'm thought, i sure that someone yesterday at the zoo talked to me. A little child tried to grab my hand in line for the bathroom because she thought I was her mommy. Oh, no. And I said, I'm not your mommy. That ever happened as a kid? Where you grab I would, a hold of a grown-up and you go... <gasps> yeah, I do remember accidentally grabbing the wrong hand a few times. It's terrifying. But what? I don't recall if anybody... Certainly no one was like, uh, excuse me, the giraffes are out right now, so why don't you take your ass over there and stop <laughs> looking at the elephants. You're like, I like the elephants. Oh, oh, the woman did accost me. I felt personally accosted oh, at the giraffe section. What happened? Because you buy, you can buy lettuce and carrots to feed to yes. the giraffes. Well, Yesterday, the Dallas Zoo was, and by yesterday I mean Mother's Day. Mother's 2019. Day, yes, was a, a circus. No, okay. not just because there were animals there; it was a. It, <laughs> there it, were <laughs> clowns too, yes, and a woman. Yeah, on a, uh, she somebody got shot out of a cannon. Tightrope. Yeah, walking across the whole park. It was just very, very crowded, and the giraffes weren't coming up to anybody at the area where you feed them because they were being fed too much. Yeah, and all the. Stuff people had bought had just been thrown into their area. Oh. They weren't paying attention to it. So, first of all, Ella started eating the carrots. And I was like, <laughs> those probably aren't washed, but whatever. <laughs> and then I tried to walk out of a little area with the lettuce. And the woman that sells the lettuce goes, ma'am, ma'am. I was on my phone. So I'm <laughs> trying to post a fun story to Instagram. And I turn around. And she goes, you can't take the lettuce with you. Whose lettuce is it? It's mine. I bought it. She goes... If the giraffe didn't eat it, you can either hand it back to me or throw it in their area with them. What? And so I went and threw it in their area. Well, good. Yeah, don't give it to that bitch. No, but I guess what, I guess they don't want you feeding it to other animals, no, which makes fair. sense, but... You know what? You just take that lettuce and shove it right yeah, now. I should have just eaten it right in front of her. I mean, my daughter was eating the carrots and I just want to be like, well, my baby's eating the carrots. You want me to go grab those out of her cute, <laughs> sweet hands and bring those back to you Snatch also? them out of her hand. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah. Give me that carrot. Oh man. Well I ask because, you know, sometimes a stranger may ask you for some help and that could be very dangerous. And I, I would not recommend helping. Would not have been in this situation because I do not help people <laughs> that ask me for things. <laughs> Especially if I was a woman by myself and a 1970s. man came and asked me to help him with something. I think I have a look about me that I don't even mm-hmm. think Ted Bundy would have approached me. He'd have been like, that bitch nope. is going to be a handful. <laughs> nope. I am I had not a, going down that road. Very, I had a pure, gentle, happy face when I
0: moved to Chicago. And I'd sit on the bus with this just... Uh, yokel, big-eyed grin on my face. And, of course, people would walk up and be like, you want to see my dick? And you're like, oh, no. Yeah. And so then I, I uh, adopted this scowl that I sort of maintain to this day. And the scowl is very helpful at keeping people yeah. away. It's not even a resting bitchy face. It's like a uh, resting, what did you say yeah. to me kind it's of like, face. like, don't
1: mess with me today.
0: Correct. People, you can see them on the street actively, sh- like, turn away from you. And they're going to ask for donations
1: for their charity. And they're like, we'd rather the charity go broke. Yeah. She's so mean. And- I'm a nice person, but I just like to look mean. Everyone always said, or I have so many friends that when they were pregnant would say, oh, I was in the grocery store and this woman just came up and she just put her hand right on my belly. Who does that? And I always expected that to happen. Never once. And I, halfway through, I was like, (laughs) nobody wants to fuck with me. my face. It's my face. It's me. Everyone's (laughs) like... Oh, I hope her baby doesn't turn out the way she is. <laughs> I was kind of like wanting it to happen so I can I so be like, I, I wish somebody would come up and to touch my stomach right now. Some people have
0: resting bitchy face. We have I wish a motherfucker would face. <laughs> like, come on over. You're
1: about to see what's going to happen to you. You're about to see what's yeah. going to happen to you. So, yeah. she. Uh, so I would not help a stranger load a sailboat. On First of all, even if I thought he wasn't going to rape and kill me, I'd be like... Do I look like I want to load a fucking sailboat onto your car right now? That sounds like a
0: ton of work. (laughs) Thank you. Why would you ask me, too? That's how I know you're going to try to kill me. I have weak and feeble arms, and any stranger could see that. There's a
1: million strong-bodied men around here. Yes, it's not me. Go ask one of them. A sailboat? Do you know how heavy a sailboat is? Unless it's a child's toy sailboat. I'm not lifting a sailboat (laughs) onto the hood of a car. Whose idea was this? What a crazy thing to suggest. Whose idea? But It worked. It was you know, Ted Bundy's idea. It was. It was. And unfortunately, it worked. Yeah, it did. I also hot take. So many people think Ted Bundy was super hot. I just did, here's the thing. Had, fool ever heard of some
0: wax dude? He had one eyebrow. <laughs> he was like Frida Kahlo. So many snaggle teeth. He, that's what got him When I first, end. So I was just like, maybe Ted Bundy came about when there were no hot celebrities. There was Paul Newman. There was Robert oh. Redford in the 70s. 1969, Butch casting so Sundays Sunday came out. It's basically like a pornographic film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hot. They are hot in yes, this very. So this is not like we had a dearth of attractive men in the 70s. No.
1: What is going on? He didn't look like a typical serial killer. I will give... He did have crazy eyes. He did. But at first glance... You would not think he looks someone like a basic like that, white bitch. Man. He looks like a yeah. basic lawyer that would yeah. just be a douchebag. Yeah, he did look like a douchebag. But not someone that would take a hacksaw to a woman's head and then sleep with her corpse for weeks on end. Yeah. I didn't get that vibe. <sighs> well well he was
0: a doozy. I did say I texted you my hot take uh after I got about uh three hours into the audiobook. I just wrote hot take. Ted Bundy is a shit bag. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, yep. Sure is. I think that is a popular opinion. I Although, I just saw somebody posted on a Facebook group, a woman got the bite marks. Spoiler alert, he's a serial killer. <laughs> he bit a lady in her butt cheek yep. before killing her, and a woman got the imprint of the bite marks in the booty cheek, Tat- I have As a, a t- tattoo. I have a tattoo on my butt cheek, and it's not, it's the Blues Brothers because I have, you know, dignity <laughs> and self respect. <laughs> yeah.
1: What did this person, why would you get a serial killer bite mark? Honestly, that stuff skeezes me out so bad. The, it's like we talked about buying murder do Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with it. I think it's super insulting and disrespectful to the victims and their families. Someone was like, that was somebody's daughter, and yeah. you're going to get a tattoo of that? Yeah. Go fuck yourself. But if, it's if you're dead, listening, I still I stand by it. Go if you're that person, you're a listener. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and I think that the
0: comment made while posting the picture was, "Wow, what is wrong with people?" And everyone was like, "No, no, no, that's disgusting. What's wrong yeah, with you?" So I think terrible. it's a general consensus. But I think most people think that's trashy. Uh, butt tattoos are hot. First of all, as one that has one, I do
1: not have a butt tattoo. What's I have a- an arm tattoo and wrist tattoo. I have a side tattoo and a butt tattoo. Uh, but I'd be open to uh, you know other parts, I guess. Sometimes I think about getting another tattoo and then I realize I don't really want the ones I have. So, <laughs> to be fair, I'm getting one laser. So, so, maybe, yeah. Well, this week we are talking about Ted Bundy. I'm Christy. I'm Heather. He was and still remains one of the ma- most prolific serial killers the world has ever seen. Yeah. When they said what body count was about 30, and he said add another digit yeah. to that. Yeah. He's. There's really no telling how many women he's killed, but because there's so much to cover with him, we are going to break this up into at least three episodes. Yeah, I think three
0: is going to be the the magic number. As we got into it, we're going to do two and we thought, you know what, there's too much. I mean, the murders alone are an entire episode. Yeah. And I think we would do disservice to the victims to go. Let's talk about this charming serial killer that everyone's uh, obsessed with. Yaddy yadda yaddy he killed a bunch of people anyway here's the trial yeah. you know i think it's yeah. important to, to go into these women's lives and and what they and at no point not that anyone ever is doing anything that would cause them to deserve being felt but literally every one of them was either walking to or from home trying to help someone oh, yeah. i mean he was just a predator and i think it's important that we recognize the victims. so we'll, sure. we'll give them kind
1: of their whole So today's episode, we're going to focus on his childhood, his teenage years, and pretty much his life leading up to when the attacks began. Yes. So you'll get a little understanding into perhaps how a serial killer is made. Did you know anything about Ted Bunny before we started? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you? I had no no idea. I didn't know as much as I do now. Well, obviously, yeah. That's kind of every episode we have. Right. I, Yeah. There was a lot I, I didn't know, but... Including uh, kind of how he started out life. Yeah. No, I didn't know any
0: of this. And I knew that he had killed women, but I actually thought he ate people. I wasn't sure. I think uh, I got him. Dahmer and, eats people. I think I got them mixed up. So Yeah.
1: They're both, man, what a dinner party that would be. <laughs> <For> <laughs> the real. two of them but We there. do not want to be invited to. Hell no. Well, let's get into it. Eleanor Louise Cowell was a pious girl born in Philadelphia to a deeply religious family. Who? at age 22, was surprised to learn she had become pregnant by a man she referred to only as a sailor. At the time of her pregnancy, abortion was illegal, performed only in back alleys with dangerous instruments. Left with few options, Eleanor left home at seven months pregnant to go live at Elizabeth Lund Home for Unwed Mothers in Burlington, Vermont, known by judgmental locals as Lizzie Lund's Home for Naughty Ladies. When the home had been founded in the 1890s, it went by the moderately better name, the Home for Friendless Women. Yes. Wow. There's, yeah.
0: Early <laughs> these 19- are both pretty great. Yeah. Ni- early 1946. Not a great time for women.
1: Much the Home less for Friendless Women. Friendless. Well, I suppose you have, I mean, I think it should be the home for uh, significant otherless women. True. Partnerless women, they, maybe. They probably had friends. True. I hope each, they did. Hopefully, They, when they had each other. Did you say each other? When they moved in, they made friends. Yes. The, the true gift was the friends they made along the oh, way. Oh, I hope so. On November 24th, 1946, Eleanor delivered her first son, Theodore Robert Cowell. Eleanor's parents were deeply religious and felt humiliated and shamed by their grandson being born out of wedlock. When Eleanor and the baby moved back to Philadelphia to live with their parents, the decision was made that Ted would be raised to believe that his grandparents were actually his parents and that his mother was really his sister. That happened to Jack Nicholson, the famous really? actor. Yes. I did not know that. most
0: of his life, he thought that his mom, the lady that was his mom, was actually his grandma. You know what I mean? Like, so he was born... Was, was it, sorry, she really young when the she la- had him? Yeah, the lady that he thought was his sister was actually his mom, and the lady that he thought was his mom was actually right. his grandma. Did not know that. I've yeah. heard of it happening. Yeah. It was kind of a uh,
1: thing to do back then. Yeah. As
0: opposed to give the baby away. Yes.
1: Or, yeah, so she apparently wanted to give the baby up for adoption. Yeah. And her parents said, nope, you're keeping it, but this is what's going to happen because we will not be shamed by our community for your mistake. Well, then as the kid got, everybody kind of knew, right? They actually, all of their, their close friends thought that- It they really told, was legit. They told that, I mean, I don't know if they believed it or not, but they presented that- This is what was really happening. To this day, it is unknown who Ted Bundy's biological father was. Some have suspected that Eleanor's father, Samuel, an oppressive figure with violent tendencies, had been the one to impregnate his daughter, possibly making Eleanor both sister and mother to Ted. There's conflicting reports regarding how Ted felt about his grandparents. In some interviews, he spoke warmly of them specifically his grandfather, who he claimed to have identified with and respected. The Anne Rule book, which I read, is
0: very heavy on the Ted. The stranger Beside Me. The Stranger Beside Me. Very heavy on the Ted was obsessed with his grandma or grandpa situation. Well, she said that it was the only man that he thought was a
1: manly man and took charge and was. Yeah, it was the only model. father figure in his yeah. life. However, he has also claimed that Samuel Cow was a tyrannical bully and a racist. He was known to beat his wife and the family dog, and those in the neighborhood remember him swinging stray cats around by their tails. One time, Louise's younger sister, Julia, fell victim to his violent outburst when her father threw her down a flight of stairs for oversleeping. So he sounds kind of like a douchebag. Yeah, and he's... Violent, So Ted's abuser. already growing up seeing a violent and abusive pattern, and this is how you treat women. Yeah, violence against women. At a very animals. young age. And animals, yes, which... Add the serial killer pattern is starting off with animals and then you escalate. It was also reported that at times Cal would speak aloud to unseen presences. He also flew into a violent rage when the question of Ted's paternity was raised. Oof. So he's trying to keep the family secret well, at all costs. I mean there's a lot of speculation that he raped his daughter, and yeah. that's why they wanted to keep this all a secret and and raise him the way he did. It would also explain why he got upset if anybody brought it up. And if this was his real father and there's something to be said for things being hereditary, then that could explain a lot of the tendencies Ted had as well. Ted described his grandmother as a timid and obedient woman. She suffered from depression and received the now highly controversial electroconvulsive therapy. Towards the end of her life, she developed agoraphobia and rarely left the house.
0: Yes, this was unfortunately... Sounds like a
1: real bad... Uh, role model situation. Yeah, not a great place to grow up, it sounds like. Not a happy place. A few years later, Eleanor and Ted moved to Tacoma, Washington to live with relatives. One day at a church social, Eleanor, who was now going by Louise, met a man named Johnny Bundy. The two courted by attending several other church social functions together, and on May 19th, 1951, were married.
0: Some of the... Ann Rule speculated that as ted was older and was able to interact with people in the neighborhood there were whispers about maybe that really is the mom and that she was ashamed and that's why she went in love with lived with relatives yes. into tacoma because he started getting old enough that if kids would tease him about it and then even if it wasn't speculative that the maybe the dad did it that he was a bastard
1: yes also the family saw how abusive he was to eleanor or louise and they wanted and to the get sister. her out of there yeah, yeah. When Ted was just shy of five years old, he was officially adopted by Johnny, and his name was legally changed to Theodore Bundy. Eleanor and Johnny went on to have several children together, giving Ted two half-sisters and two half-brothers. By all accounts, the Bundys were a regular, working-class family. Not like the Bundys on, what was it, <laughs> TBS? Married with children. Here's Here's something fun. Yeah. When that show... Oh, man, when I was in my early 20s or something, I thought that show was so funny. And now I want to go back and slap myself <laughs> for thinking that. It is the most sexist, <laughs> stupid fucking show. You don't think it was satirical, that it was commenting No, I thought on, it was legit sexist. That it's not commenting on sexism? I did not find it satirical. I found it legitimately Sexist, did you find it satirical? I just didn't think it was funny. Yeah, it's not funny.
0: I didn't, I love Ed O'Neill on Modern Family. Oh, yeah, he's great, he's a great actor. But at the time, his face bothered me. It was very rubbery. And I'm sure it was for comedic effect. But as a child, much like the Phil Collins Land of Illusion music video where they have rubber masks. Oh, that video haunts my scares dreams. Scares the shit out of yeah, me. Yeah, I hate I felt that. Like... Same
1: with Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. Oh, also disturbing.
0: Great song. <laughs> very Fucked upsetting up video. video. Fucked up video. But I thought that Al Bundy's face was very upsetting. It
1: looks like he belongs in Madame Tussauds' yes.
0: House of Wax. And it's like, a man smells fart. Would be the name under the black of him because he yeah. always sort of looked like Which, he smelled well,
1: a fart. Well, that's probably was like his, the bit. yeah he was getting into character every day. He just <laughs> he just farted and smelled it and then went, "I'm ready, roll." <laughs> Ted's childhood friend Sandy Holt recalls the Bundys being loving and devoted parents who were very involved in their children's lives. They took the children to church every Sunday, enrolled them in Boy Scouts and Brownies and sent them on church retreats. So they were trying to give a, she was trying to give a normal semblance of a family. I think they were pretty normal. Yeah. By all accounts. From a young age, Ted showed signs of brilliance. Disturbingly, he also showed an early interest in the macabre. Family stories have been told of Ted's odd behavior as a child. There were reported incidents of violence animal mutilation, and incidence of sexual deviancy.
0: Yeah, apparently according to his lawyer, John Henry Brown, he wrote a book called Defending the Devil, and he says that... <laughs> that's a good title. it's a really good title. <laughs> uh, he said that basically Ted Bunny's violence started as a child, that he would buy, Ted Bunny would buy mice at a local pet shop, build like a little corral and kind of put them in the woods, and then play God and kill some of them and let other ones go
1: free. So he And that's kind of what he later did yeah, with his victims. Yeah, that is it's part of the mcdonald's triad yeah uh any type of animal abuse or mutilation is indicative of someone possibly becoming a serial killer
0: yeah and there's other reports that just said he mutilated cats and dogs too that that that's the most and again if he sees
1: his grandfather slash father being abusive to animals it doesn't occur to him this is wrong behavior true it seems pretty normal Ted's aunt also recalled that when Ted was three years old she laid down to take a nap with him when she woke she was shocked to see that Ted had removed all the knives from the kitchen and placed them in a circle around her body
0: so a very early fascination with violence it sounds like here's my question
1: where are you keeping your knives, <laughs> three year old? That's true. Can get all these. They're <laughs> a very tall three year old, or a very low. <laughs> or knife they drawer. just didn't secure their their kitchen wasn't baby
0: proof. That's if true. It sound,
1: maybe it was just out on the counter, and he pushed a chair up and sort of. I don't know. I before I had kids, I would look at this and think, "Oh my gosh, that is crazy," and it still is a little crazy. But also, toddlers are fucking weird, and they get into weird stuff, and they do stuff without even really knowing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I could see Ella just bringing me a knife from the kitchen and being like, hey, mom, Mommy. here you go, and not, like, knowing what she's even doing. Yeah. But he probably had ulterior motives. Or I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he saw his grandpa wheeling a knife or something. I don't That's know. That's true. Well, too skinny for football, Ted set his focus on his academics. Those that knew him said he lacked in the friend-making department and was often bullied in middle school especially for deciding to shower in a stall away from the other boys who loved to sneak up on Ted and pour cold water on him as he bathed privately. However, in the Netflix original, The Conversations with a Killer, the Ted Bundy tapes, Ted recalls an active and fun childhood filled with hunting frogs in the creeks with friends and running around with other neighborhood children. I'm not here to defend Ted Bundy, but... Communal showers in a middle school
0: setting is, uh... It should should be be illegal. It should be
1: illegal. It should be banned. (laughs) And it makes me, again, I I also not going to defend him, but it does break my heart to think about a little boy... Trying to hide. Trying to hide and getting bullied like that when you're at your most vulnerable. Yes. That... Brings like a tear to my eye thinking it's so about. Sad. I had weird titties very in middle sad. school.
0: I have good looking ones now, but back then they were still. I mean, you're still growing in. Well,
1: all middle school girls have weird titties. I mean,
0: I think so, but I felt my. Everyone, you know, if it's you, it's worse, right? I felt it was worse, and I just did not want to shower. I never
1: showered in a <sighs> public bathroom. That wasn't even a thing. Oh, we had to. I just would for use what after PE? Yeah, I always had sports the last. Thing of the day I had it first And I couldn't change oh, it Oh dang Yeah It was terrible Well in middle school You should tell me of PMS. I'm sure we had pee But I don't rem- We never showered Middle school we showered it was And then horrifying. I played soccer And stuff in Middle school But it was always The last thing of the day Just so so go home Even if I'd gone back to class I don't think I would have showered
0: And if you didn't shower They made fun of you And back then I didn't know about So the it magic. was it's a lose-lose It was lose-lose And if I didn't know about
1: Dry shampoo So here I was I, They probably didn't even Have it back yeah, then Alright I'm not that old Ted's childhood friend Holt paints a different picture and says that Ted was, quote, different, teased for having a speech impediment and was unable to do the activities in Boy Scouts like tie a knot or build a fire that came easily to the other boys. So one thing in the Netflix show, the Ted Bundy tapes, Mm -hmm. the two biographers slash interviewers that are interviewing him, they say to the camera apart from him, How things that he would say painted a totally different picture than what he would tell other biographers. Almost like he just wanted kind of a celebrity, like, biopic of his life made with this Mm. thing instead of it being... painting scenes. Yes. He wanted to be perceived as this normal kid that nothing in his childhood led to what he did later in life. It was just he had a, a friends, he had a good upbringing. So it's interesting the motivation behind that. Of what it, what is he trying to paint? What kind of pictures he trying Does to he paint? Does he still want people to think just control? Like yeah. he has control over his story or is he still legitimately embarrassed of things that happened and and too prideful to even admit them? When, while he's on death
0: row. Well, I think we'll get into it and kind of like the trigger point on, on him. And I think a lot of this can all, a lot of his actions and behaviors, especially the more violent ones later in his life, are traced back to this damaged and bruised male ego. Yes, very much. I think. So I think that's what it is later in life. If you have a chance to tell your story the way someone's sitting there with a the tape recorder listening, you're going to tell whatever mm-hmm, story you want to tell. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I'll tell you about how I had weird titties in middle school. <laughs> Ted Bunny's going to tell you he was a cool guy. <laughs> He's going to say he
1: had real good looking titties. <laughs> so good they peeked over the side with a bucket of cold water. <laughs> they that's they just wanted to see him. It's so sad. It is sad. That's really sad. Holt also remembers Ted having a temper, and that he liked to scare people and build tiger traps in the woods. What? One day, a neighborhood girl fell victim to one of his traps, and upon falling into the hole filled with sharpened sticks, had the entire side of her leg sliced open. Christy, can you explain to me what a tiger trap (laughs) is? Yes. Tiger trap is what you see in a cartoon. where A wacky guy cuts a hole in the ground. And then puts a bunch of sharpened sticks in the bottom and then covers it back up with debris so someone walking through will just fall in and... Become victim to their little trap. Who would do? Or a tiger?
0: Yeah. Well, he was. uh, If he was in Tacoma, Washington, looking for a tiger, he was barking up the wrong forest. (laughs) I
1: think he needed to go. uh, I don't know. Where do they have tigers left? Yeah, I think Asia. They
0: have tigers there. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. They're endangered. But he also just wanted to test the waters of what can he get away with as far as these violent tendencies that Uh, he's already experiencing. I think that element of surprise and the like gotcha. He how scary if you're, just walk, if you're a little girl walking through the woods and you just fall into a hole. Next thing you know, your leg is sliced and apart. And freak show Ted Bundy, lone showerer, standing above <laughs> it's you. It's just laughing at you. Yeah. Ted regularly missed out on typical teenage fun because he had to babysit his younger siblings. In later interviews, he recalled how he was antisocial and would wander the streets looking for discarded pornography and open windows where he could peer in at unsuspecting women. Ted was also known by juvenile authorities as a troublemaker, being picked up at least twice for auto theft and burglary.
0: What is going on with Tacoma, Washington, where people are hurtling pornography out of think, their windows? I've got to say he didn't find much.
1: <laughs> Who just throws away a bunch of porno a mags perfect, in their trash? A perfectly good piece of porn. You put it under your mattress like a normal person. Well,
0: this one's done with.
1: It's yeah, all stuck together. Yeah, in the
0: trash. And also, don't change in front of your
1: windows. Well... I'm not gonna blame those women.
0: That's true. You should be able to change wherever you want to change. But shut your blinds for real, because Ted Bundy's leering in. I I am very paranoid about that kind of stuff. As a person who walks down the street and loves looking in other people's windows, I always keep my really? windows closed. Oh, I love, when I'm walking my dogs, one time I was walking my dogs to. I used to live adjacent to a very fancy neighborhood. Oh, that's fun. And I would walk my dogs to it, and one night, no less than five houses were all watching The Simpsons, and I thought, you know what, the universal thing that brings us all together, rich, <laughs> poor, whatever, uh,
1: wherever you you're from. You should have had a watching party at someone's house. You sure. should have gone up and knocked on one of their doors, said excuse me, just so you know, your surrounding neighbors are all watching the same show. You guys, why don't y'all get together, have some have some laughs? Yes. And then you'll have some inside jokes to tell each other. If nobody's writing on next door about that no, about how they're watching the no, Simpsons. They're just writing about how real racist stuff. If you're on next my door. next door, it's all real racist stuff. Or um, it's always like, uh, I got some garbage. What do I do with it? You're like, put put it it out by the curb, idiot. What do I do with this trash? What do you think you do with it? Shove it up your ass. That's what you do with it. (laughs) Well, there are again conflicting reports on Ted's behavior in high school. He has told some biographers and reporters that he was antisocial and awkward, while in other interviews he claimed to be athletic and quote one of the boys. Do you think this is just a Liz Lemon situation where he thought he was bullied and then really he was the bully, like where she thought? I was wondering, isn't it interesting? how i think we've talked about this before you really don't know what your life was like for example in high school until it unless you were to ask someone else how was i perceived how did you perceive me totally different you, yeah the way i think of my high school life Maybe totally different than how someone else viewed me through their eyes. Somebody may have thought I was a cool kid and I was not. I was a lame. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: But they, you know, it may. You never know what others perspective, think of you. It's yeah, perspective. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And there were some people who I thought, oh, my God, she's got it made. If only I could be like her. Man, my problems would be far, far away. And it may have been, she may have felt the same way about me. Yeah, you,
1: you never know. know. You really don't. We're all at home. We're all secretly just watching The Simpsons. Yeah. That's why it's up to someone who's slash stalker. Looking in people's windows. I'm not a
0: stalker. I was a, a purveyor of fine
1: windows. There's a person down the street from me that always has their blinds open, and I just want to go up and say... You can, shut, shut your blinds. We can see you this is not if you're listening right now shut your blinds. you're you cutting some broccoli up getting ready for dinner take a look
0: your your blinds
1: may be open and who knows on the and other side when it's light in your house and it's dark outside That's the most dangerous you can't sign. see what's happening someone could be standing very close to your window or it far away in a jacket but they can see real far yeah everyone close your blinds right now even if it's daytime <laughs> Just pause the show we'll wait we'll wait go close your blinds pause the show well, fellow classmates at Woodrow Wilson High—we have one of these in Dallas, too—remember oh, Yeah, remember him as handsome, well-known, popular, well-mannered, and well-dressed. He attended dances but was shy, almost introverted. He was also interested in politics. While well, there is no record of him running for student body counsel, in the Ted Bundy tapes, Ted claims he ran for student office. Again, probably didn't happen, I bet but not. in his story— He's gonna say that it did. It's funny that like you said, perception and reality and mm-hmm. what becomes true. Also, at some point, the jig is up, my friend. It's in the note it's in the yearbook. Who gives a shit? You're but also <laughs> you're in prison for these crimes. You're about to be electric. Dude. Just that's <laughs> up, dum dum. <laughs> Ted and his stepfather Johnny tried to get along, but Ted withdrew emotionally and Johnny chalked it up to teenage emotions. True crime books would later speculate that Ted didn't respect his stepfather. Cook by trade and considered him unintelligent and was ashamed by his working class status. Louise believed in Ted strongly and encouraged him to save up for college, believing he could make something of himself. This poor woman,
0: yeah. And according to her, or according to
1: reports, she really thought he was kind of the golden child, yeah, smarter than everybody. I mean, up until the day he was executed, she was was adamant that he was innocent, just couldn't bring her, and that's so sad. her boy. You got, I mean, as a parent, you never want to think your kid is capable of something like this. So I, I can't you can begrudge her for that. Yeah. Well, from 1965 to 1966, Ted attended the University of Puget Sound, where Louise was also working as an administrative assistant. In 1966, Ted transferred to the University of Washington, where he majored in Chinese. He believed that China was going to take over the world and that that is going to be a major superpower
0: and that to succeed in business and life, you needed to know Chinese. How'd that work out?
1: (laughs) Well, not great for him. He ended up being a serial killer. Ted had yet to have any serious involvement with a woman. He was shy, embarrassed about his middle class background and believed he had nothing to offer a romantic partner. Yeah, around this time he was about 20 years old and never had a girlfriend.
0: Which isn't crazy. That's not crazy. I had my first boyfriend when I was 18.
1: I had my first, well, I mean, a middle school boyfriend can oh, you even yeah. consider I had a boyfriend, a boyfriend? in kindergarten. Yeah, weekend. yeah, I had a boyfriend in kindergarten. We would hold hands while we laid on the mat and took naps. <laughs> but I had a stupid boyfriend. I call not he wasn't stupid. I say the whole concept was stupid. In in 6th grade, and I think in 8th grade too. And then probably my first like boyfriend boyfriend was in college. I mean not in college in high school. My junior like junior and senior year I had boyfriends. Yeah. Well, 20 he's 20 years old at this time in college and has never had a romantic partner. Yeah. Until he meets a woman named Stephanie Brooks, known as Diane in the Ted Bundy tape. She kind of has like four pseudonyms.
0: Yeah, and I think that originally early on when he was just about to get executed and had been convicted People writing about her with trying to kind of protect her identity, and it, I, the TED Bundy tapes sort of don't give a fuck and just show her yearbook picture. And yeah. Her name is Diane, whatever. They they do block out her last name, but it does say Diane. Let's yep. stick with Stephanie for this, just
1: because. I mean, not that anyone's gonna go googling her, but
0: if you watch the TED Bundy tapes, it's the same lady.
1: Yeah. Well, she was a beautiful, elegant woman from a wealthy California family. And Ted believes she was far too good for him. No, you told me don't believe that. That I should never believe someone's too good for no, me. No, I don't. Anytime somebody says you you're out of their league or they're out of your league, I don't buy that. I'll I like think it. there are leagues, and I also read something today that says you. The caliber of who you're dating is based on your self-esteem. Well, I can attest to that.
0: (laughs) My current situations have uh, improved dramatically. Well, there you go. When you're feeling good about yourself, you attract people that,
1: I mean. That that you you look at and go, oh, my God, have (laughs) you fallen from a magazine? You're so hot. (laughs) Well, after pining after Stephanie for months, Ted finally befriended her over a shared interest in skiing and made his move. Stephanie reciprocated and the two dated for a year until 1968, when Ted dropped out of college. Ann Rule
0: describes Ted as sort of following her around a little bit and trying to be her friend and not really, and then they would drive up to the ski lodge area together and just say, you know, I, I have my ski stuff. Were you going to drive up there? You want to ride together? And on the way, he would be very charming. and he, That's he's, how you
1: do it. You know what? He sort of weaseled his way mm-hmm. in by charm. Stephanie ended up dumping him for his lack of ambition, saying... He just won't stand up for himself. He's lying about a lot of the little things. Psychiatrist Dorothy Lewis later said that this incident would mark the pivotal time in Bundy's development as a psychopath. Ted's later victims were also said to resemble Stephanie, attractive college students with long, dark hair. He sort of had a a victim M.O., or, Mm -hmm, you know, victimology. mm -hmm. Devastated by the breakup, Ted traveled east, eventually enrolling in Temple University for one semester. Which in the Philadelphia area where his family is from. While Louise never confirmed to Ted that she was his mother and not his older sister, sometimes he called her mother and other times Louise, he always had his suspicions. While in Pennsylvania, he ventured over to the county records office and found his birth certificate. His sister, Louise, was listed as his mother. His father was listed as a 30-year-old Navy veteran and businessman. Bundy would go on to develop a lifelong resistance towards his mother for never talking to him about his real father and for leaving him to discover his true parentage for himself. That's gotta fuck you up. I think so. Your whole
0: your, your whole life's been a lie. Well, yeah, and you I mean, you sit here and think, well, you know, who knows who it was? And she said, well, it was just a sailor or whoever. You know, well, she told her parents it was just a sailor. She apparently knew his name. Supposedly. I mean, not... It, there was a name written down, and
1: Ann Rule puts the name in the it book. Could have been but, Dad. Well, I mean, you no... Know. That's not who she wrote, but yeah. Right, right. After a short stint in Temple, Ted moved back to Washington, and in October 1969, he met Elizabeth Klepfer at the Sandpiper Tavern in Seattle. Liz was a single mother of a two-year-old daughter who had recently moved to Seattle after divorcing her husband, a convicted felon, and had taken a job as a secretary to support herself and her daughter. She came from a Mormon family and had a wealthy background. This is, if you watch the Zac Efron movie... God, don't bother. It <laughs> sucks butt. It's so dumb. This is where it starts. It's so cheesy. You know... I was watching it, and, and it's not at all scary or graphic No, at all. That it basically... It focuses on their relationship more than anything. It's just...
0: Bad acting and poor writing. I thought Lily Collins was pretty good. The one, that Yeah, she was probably... She plays Liz. <laughs> yeah, that plays Liz. But
1: the cast is wild. When it got, finally Why? got to the trial, I went, Shelton? I know, Shelton... <laughs> Shelton this? from Big Bane as the prosecutor. And John Malkovich. John Malkovich is a judge. That threw me for a loop. He doesn't loop. even
0: sound like he's from Florida. And he keeps saying and what I would imagine... A, he was too, he was like, too oh, affable
1: and nice like oh, compared oh. to the actual
0: judge. You know, a Florida judge may say, All right, partner, I need you to sit down. But it's John Malkovich who yes. talks like this, and he's all like, "All right, partner, partner. Why don't you sit down?" I was like, "There's robot judge. We didn't know in the '70s they had robot judge, but it's played by John Malkovich." I love John Malkovich, though. Hot take: hate John Malkovich. Really? I hate his face. I hate his voice. I hate his stupid acting. I hate oh. that he leg wrestles. I hate every part of I John love Malkovich. Him.
1: Well, all right. What movie him. made you hate him? Uh, probably Con Air. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah.
0: Have you seen Being John Malkovich? Yeah, I hated it. I love John Cusack. I hate John Malkovich. Man. Going to see John Cusack this weekend. I oh, yeah? He's doing Say Anything at the Majestic Theater Q&A. Nice. But, yeah, I... Are you going to ask him a question? I'm going to go up and say, do you want to make out? <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> I hope they let you get that close. <laughs> well, no, you, you, you up should up to say, microphone. do you remember me? I met you... There's a Q&A. Like six months ago. Well, it was like two years ago. When you met John Cusack... Q- oh, I'm thinking of John Mayer. John Mayer, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I yeah. meet a lot of Johns. Oh, take the
0: picture Sounded like a of, prostitute.
1: <laughs> take that picture of sex worker that's true i'm sorry <laughs> take the picture of you and john cusack with you okay and hold it up like he does the boom box and, and say anything. anything but also get your phone out play in your eyes <laughs> while this is happening he's gonna love it and i'm not gonna get arrested at all i feel like this might go over well you think it's gonna I work i think i think he might chuckle he might give That's you a, a smirk. you <laughs> want. Someone who you're
0: trying to get in a romantic relationship to just laugh at you. I, but in a good way, I think he might be like,
1: huh. She seems <laughs> funny. Maybe okay. I want to date her. Or he's like, my God, I've seen this fucking bit at every q and A I've done. <laughs> Someone's her. always holding Security. something. They're always holding
0: something over their heads. But you should take that picture. Yeah. That would be fun. I should. And get see. him to sign it. Yeah, I'll see. I'll see yeah. if you will. But yeah, so if you're watching John Malkovich in this Zac Efron movie on Netflix, it is... Uh, Largely focuses on the relationship Of Liz Clepford and, and Liz and, and him, yeah And Tim Bundy And I think Having now read the Ann Rule book And re- watching the Ted Bundy tapes And reading all these articles I feel like it Unfairly paints him In a pretty good light Yes He was not It makes him look like A very good boyfriend to Liz And we'll kind of yeah. get into it
1: He's, He was As I said earlier Let's say it with me, you guys A shitbag <laughs> Yeah Yeah In her memoir, The Phantom Prince, My Life with Ted Bundy, Liz describes their meeting, saying, The chemistry between us was
0: incredible. I was already planning the wedding and naming the kids. He was telling me that he missed having a kitchen because he loved to cook. Perfect. My prince.
1: I haven't read that memoir
0: but you can't it's $500 it's out of print. what She, yeah she will I, t- I thought I texted you a picture of it I found it on Amazon it's $500 because there was only one run of them and after that she didn't want any more attention and she had them stop printing it interesting and then Netflix found it got a whole you know they adapted the screenplay from this memoir got her and her daughter's buy in they actually came and visited the set while they were making this movie and they visited on a happy day so they visited on the day it's an early scene in the movie when they meet at the Sandpiper Tavern interesting I wonder if if she'll have it re-released after agreeing to this. Nope. She doesn't want to. Yeah, she doesn't want to do any press. She's changed her name. Her daughter's changed her name. So Smart. So can't find you her. You got to. Yeah.
1: Well, Ted, Liz, and her daughter, known as Tina in the memoir and Molly in the Netflix film Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, would spend weekends going for walks down Main Street in the University District, feeding the ducks at a local park, and visiting the area's nearby lakes. Can you repeat the name of that Netflix movie? extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. Sounds like Dr. Phil named that.
0: <laughs> That's three of the, you said yeah. the same thing three times. I, I realized. Extreme,
1: extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. It's because the judge, when he's sentencing yeah, him, he says, says it. I, Because re- I, I was, I thought, what a wordy, dumb name. And then when I heard. It's a direct quote. The judge sentenced him, I realized. John oh, okay, Malkovich it's a direct. It. When John Malkovich, the wonderful John Malkovich <laughs> said it. Trash. <laughs> On Saturday mornings, Ted would watch cartoons and make breakfast with the little girl while Liz slept in. There were birthday parties, camping outings, ski trips, and discussions of marriage. To Liz, life didn't get much better than this. I
0: mean, she broke up with her husband, who was a convicted felon, starts a new life and thinks, man, I don't know anybody, this is going to go so bad, and you meet a... Reasonably attractive man. He's no Zac Efron, but
1: no. They they. You mean a nice guy? Did a a service by casting Zac Efron. I I mean, nice guy. He's got a job. He's got one eyebrow, a car, Mm -hmm.
0: and you think, man, he loves me. He loves hanging out with my kid. This cannot get any better.
1: That convicted felon later would look pretty damn good. You know what? Ted was now twenty-four years old and a student at the University of Seattle, where he studied abnormal psychology and was particularly interested in a study that examined psychological variables and jury decisions. He also began working at the university's crisis clinic on the Tuesday night late shift, where he earned $2 per hour and lived in a spare bedroom with the Rogers family, the owners of a large home near a campus. Two dollars yeah, per hour. My goodness, how times have changed. Well, back then, that was a lot of money. The mm-hmm. Rogers family it was an elderly lady and her husband was
0: ill. And literally, Ted just drove around house to house, knocked on doors and said, Hi, do you have a room for rent? And she said she was quite taken with him. It that It was, was the 70s. He was very friendly and he was gregarious and outgoing. She said, Well, you know, my husband's kind of infirm and ill. And Ted said, If you let me live here, I'll help you with him. I'll help you with the yard work. And that she said he was an incredibly gracious tenant he was quiet and that he really aside from getting really shit hammered drunk at a work party and Anne rule had to drive him home other than that he was actually like a really good tenant and he was like by all accounts beloved by the woman that but the woman that he lived with and her husband because he was able to mow the lawn and trim the trees and stuff like that they weren't his
1: his uh type correct so they were safe correct it was at this crisis center that Ted met Ann Rule, who would go on to write The Stranger Beside Me, a Ted Bundy biography. Anne described Ted as one of her closest work friends and claimed he saved many lives while on the phone with those attempting suicides or overdoses. She
0: said they literally were trained that while someone was saying, oh, you know, I've taken so many pills or whatever to talk to them on the phone and keep them on the phone while they traced the call and sent the Mm -hmm. cops and that he was really, really good at keeping people on the phone and keeping people from hanging up so that the cops could get there. And then they hear the cops break down the door and say, "Okay, we got him. We got him and hang up the phone.
1: I mean, this is classic psychopath sociopath behavior where you can he's basically two different people yeah you can be a really nice guy and have Mm -hmm. friends and live a seemingly normal life and then on the flip side have this other life that no one knows about yeah i mean those two things are not mutually exclusive compartmentalizing yeah serial killers almost all serial killers have normal day lives. True. Normal day jobs. BTK or whatever. People jam- don't. Dahmer. Yeah. yeah. Gacy. Yeah. They, they, and then when the shit hits the fan, everyone says, I never would have thought he could have done she something said that like that.
0: Her husband was going through melanoma. He had really serious uh, skin cancer, but they were having a very bad time in their marriage and she was trying to leave him. And she said, I just don't see. She was talking to Ted this late night shift. She worked. She volunteered once per week and she'd work like 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. And he worked every day like nine. 9 p.m. to 9 a.m., something like that. So their shifts would cross about once a week, and she said she would find herself turning her chair towards him because he was so inviting and warm when he talked and real vulnerable and would listen and she said you know I I got these kids and I think I'm going to leave my husband but he has this cancer and Ted said what good does it do him or you to stay in this marriage that's making neither of you happy and he shouldn't he be able to make the most of his time that he has left and shouldn't you set him free and let him be happy and she said she filed for divorce paperwork she was going to already but it kind of gave her a bump his Mm -hmm. advice and that her ex-husband ended up getting married to someone else and lived the last four or five years of his life pretty happy there you go so i mean you just can you just imagine this well person? he also
1: used this charm and his personality later to get his victims it's just, it's like to Je- trust Je- him it's like
0: jekyll and hyde i mean can yeah, you imagine your sure. co-worker that you sat next to and you think oh i know him i know ted he's a great guy yeah he helped me so much in my my relationship advice and helped me with my i mean
1: can you imagine it's, no it would be shocking and uh a therapy session all on its own. I mean
0: it led Anne Rule to a lifelong fascination with the men to write this book, yeah. which is a phenomenal book.
1: Ted saved other lives too. It was during this time that he saved a two year old child from drowning at nearby Green Lake. He also stopped a purse snatcher running down the thief and returning the purse to a grateful victim and policemen standing nearby. If you were that child that got saved by Ted Bundy, please call the show. We don't have a phone number. But <laughs> yeah. Email us. DM us on Instagram. But Yeah. I mean, can you imagine again, you can do nice things and also do real. Shitty, I'm not saying it's forgivable,
0: things. but what a weird paradox that you live in. It's not even survivor's guilt. It's like the opposite. What, that he saved you? That he's, that you're the person that he saved. Because what do they say if you go back in time? What was that on Avengers? He's like, we should just, you know, go kill Thanos and give ba- the baby. Like, would oh. you go back in time and kill baby Hitler or whatever? Like, well, could you go back in time and kill Ted, baby Ted Bundy and it would save all these people? But that, then that
1: little boy that or, or girl, died? yeah, wouldn't have
0: lived. It's just a weird paradox it of is. not not even just being... A person that ha- had interacted with him and you survived, but it, it, in fact, quite the opposite. It was a person that you interacted with and you're alive
1: by because virtue of, of your interaction yeah. yeah. That's wild. It's the butterfly effect. Yeah. While Ted's relationship with Stephanie Brooks had ceased, he would write to her frequently, and Stephanie would still call Ted when she passed through Vancouver visiting family. Ted also told Anne about Stephanie, confessing that he was still in love with her, despite being in a relationship with Liz. He told Anne he applied to law schools anywhere he could be close to her, near her home in San Francisco. And that she was the one woman, the only woman I ever loved.
0: Yeah, even despite, and Anne said, you know, Liz loves you you're every day you're with her she's got your back she is helping you apply to law school she's supporting you like what is wrong with you and he just said i don't know i can't help it i can't get over stephanie i can't stop thinking about her you want what
1: you can't have yeah
0: maybe that's what it was too and and uh you know he would write to her a lot and she would infrequently write back and just kind of say oh it's good to hear from you but she never really cut him off but it wasn't
1: that they had some long distance affair it was very one-sided right in 1972 liz became pregnant but due to Ted and her tumultuous relationship, she made the decision to terminate the pregnancy. That same year, Ted enrolled at the University of Washington and graduated with a degree in psychology. So he's kind of hopping around from school to school. He went
0: Puget Sound, Washington, Temple, back to Washington, finally graduated with a psych degree. And His professor said, by all accounts, he was a very good student, especially in psychology. He did
1: research with the professors, and I mean, they were just impressed. Yeah. Ted was also working for the Crime Prevention Advisory Board and yearned to become its director. His position on this board was instrumental in getting a law passed that made hitchhiking in Washington State legal. He was also privy to statistics showing the least patrolled areas in the city.
0: You see this with serial killers where they want some semblance of authority. Some Like the BTK killer was a control officer. And he went around right. and patrolled as far as the code enforcement. And then he here Ted is a somewhat law enforcement adjacent
1: job well he also has access to information that mm-hmm. lets him know oh where's a good place that i could target Hunting. victims that isn't going to be patrolled by cops and also
0: what's a great way to pick up victims hitchhiking more people are going to be yeah. doing it they're not going to get in trouble that's so weird
1: you would pass a law that makes it legal he was very insistent on that law i have never and will never Hitchhike. I would literally rather walk like thirty miles and. hitchhike. Unless it was a very dire situation, I would. I can't ever see myself doing something like that. I've seen too many made-for-TV movies. Yeah, it's it's insane. You don't really see it. In the seventies, you saw it a lot. It was a
0: free-for-all,
1: but now it's rare that you see someone standing on the side of the highway. You know, I'll never hitchhike. Never, never ever hitchhike.
0: The classic cautionary tale. Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. You may be sitting, you're riding along,
1: all of a sudden, tell him Large Marge Large sent Marge you. Large Marge gets you. <sighs> Best character on that movie, that though. She's so good. In January 1973, Ted resigned from the board, having not been made its director. And went to work for Kings County Law and Justice Planning, where he spearheaded a study on rape victims. And Anne Rule had written,
0: she was, while working at the crisis center and now divorced, single mom, she was trying to do freelance writing. And she had written a couple of articles for the local paper about certain rapes that had happened. And she bumped into Ted uh, while not on one of their crisis shifts. And he said, oh, do you mind sending me the, the studies that you've done? Do you mind mm-hmm. sending me the information? I'm doing some research
1: for some it. Some little insider trading. And he also wrote a pamphlet on for women on ways to prevent being victims of rape. Kill Ted (laughs) Bundy.
0: That's that's one way that was number one. The man who handed you this pamphlet
1: that was number one. Don't get in this man's car that just handed you this pamphlet. Ted had always shown an interest in politics and upon graduating from the University of Washington, went to work for Governor Daniel J. Evans reelection campaign. Liz encouraged Ted to apply to University of Utah School of Law, even though he had been previously rejected. You know what his job was on the governor's campaign? Writing speeches, right? Or uh, editing speeches? Recording
0: opponent speeches for analysis. Like game tape. He would go around, follow the challenger with a tape recorder, and he would wear mustaches and wigs oh and they said he got that's a, fun he had a huge kick out of dressing up he loved the secret sneaky surreptitious well. and he would record the tapes and then they would bring them back to the governor and the governor would go good job ted yeah th- we're gonna get him always he, seeking that approval yeah approval of a male influence and then also just doing something like the tiger traps in the woods yeah just going, getting him i got a speech and he would notice oh well if he's talking to the farmers out in the rural parts of washington he's going to use this kind of phraseology and he was talking about the college kids in seattle he's going to use this kind
1: of and, and, and like kind of analyzing it and mm. thinking that he was getting like the the secret the scoop. inside scoop mm-hmm. well liz's father was a prominent doctor in utah and several of her siblings were professionals in the state Ted resolved to get in, redid his application packet, and included a six-page personal statement on his interests in the law and the psychology of juries, a resume which slightly overinflated some of his accomplishments, letters of recommendation from several of his professors, and a special letter of recommendation from Governor Evans.
0: Yeah, he basically overdid it. He got rejected from of Uf- Utah, and then Liz said, "I bet, I bet you could get in now that we're dating. It's
1: also... It's not a great law school. I mean,
0: it's not a top... It's no SMU. (laughs) As a graduate of the Harvard of the South, let me tell you. Is that what they call That's what I call SMU. (laughs) Okay. Oh, Harvard of the South. Well, and none of these things were required nor technically allowed by the law school application. They did not require any of these things. They didn't need all... They were like, this is too much. This is frivolous. They're like, this fucking guy. Just let him in. Jesus Christ. But they Ann Rule in her book reads from his letter of recommendation from his professors and you would think that he was... I mean, just a genius. Just top of his class. Oh, my and gosh. It just says uh, the, the world of psychological research is being harmed by him leaving because he is wow. such a
1: presence. That is a big jerk off letter. <laughs> Ted was accepted to both the University of Utah School of Law and the University of Puget Sound Law School. He started out at UPS and then transferred to the University of Utah School of Law. He attended classes at night, but found his experience disappointing, as the university was not as glamorous as he would have liked. He was going to night classes in just a regular-looking classroom, and he wanted law school to be, you know, hard-grain wood and leather seats and... Should have gone to the Harvard of the South. (laughs) You got to go to the Harvard of the South for that kind of stuff. In the summer of 1973, while he was in California on business for the Republican Party, Ted met up with Stephanie... And they rekindled their relationship. Stephanie was impressed by his apparent transformation from a college dropout with no direction into a professional with a budding legal and political career. She brought him home to meet her family and was smitten with how much attention he lavished on her. Meanwhile, Liz was back home with her daughter, wondering when Ted would return. I mean, that's fucked up. He's like...
0: Gallivant and she's thinking he's it's off. It's not at, uncommon. Well, I mean, she's thinking he's off at law school. Oh yeah.
1: And he's actually or off supporting the Republican Party. I think he's doing both. I mean, this is a Republican for you. <laughs> I can't wait to get messages about that. <laughs> not all Republicans cheat on their spouses. No, that's just a majority of the senators. <laughs> Ted was now dating both Liz and Stephanie, although neither woman was aware of the other's existence. Ted and Stephanie began to get serious, even discussing marriage. Ted would often introduce her as his fiancée. Stephanie found herself excited to marry him. But then, without warning, he disappeared entirely. You're describing my worst nightmare. (laughs) Just being ghosted? Yes! In 1974, Ted abruptly broke off all contact with Stephanie, refusing to return phone calls or letters. A month later... She finally reached him by phone and demanded to know why he'd broken things off with no explanation. In a calm, flat voice, Ted replied, Stephanie, I have no idea what you mean. She never heard from him again. She said he hung up the phone after he said that too. <laughs> what What else are you going to say after that? After he's gaslighting yeah. you? Yeah. Ted later claimed, I just wanted to prove to myself that I could have married her. But Stephanie believed that Ted had deliberately planned the entire courtship and rejection in advance as vengeance for breaking up with him years earlier. She even suspected his accomplishments, graduating from college, jobs, and application to law school, were all ploys to prove to her that he was worthy of her. Yeah, so she told a friend of hers that she said, I think it was
0: all just an, a long con. It was a long con. And Ann Rule calls it his education. Yeah, she
1: says it's his five-year uh, revenge plan. That's some dedication right there. Seriously, They say, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. It sounds like Ted Bundy was... It's really, hell hath no fury like Ted Bundy scorned. Sounds like it. Five years. <laughs> Not long after, Ted began skipping his law school classes, and by April of 1974, he had stopped attending entirely. Coincidentally, this was the same time young, attractive women... Began disappearing in the Pacific Northwest. Ooh, dot dot dot. (laughs) To be
0: continued. So, what do we think? I stand by my statement. He's a shitbag. We'll get into kind of how. uh, In addition to the fact that he was a murderer, he was sort of an unpleasant person. He was unpleasant to Liz. He was generally unpleasant to his classmates. And I think that the Zac Efron. He was very
1: arrogant correct. and cocky.
0: And the Zac Efron movie, I think, makes him seem like a
1: nice, charming guy, which I'm sure he kind of was, but also he was a dick. It makes it seem like that to Liz. I do think he comes across as very arrogant and cocky once he gets in the courtroom. Yes. and
0: Like a lawyer.
1: Well. Am I right?
0: Do you know what's worse and more annoying than a lawyer? As far Ted as Bundy is a arrogance lawyer? and cockiness? A law student. Yeah. Because you have just enough information to know, to think you know a lot. And to then once you, yeah. once you graduate and you take the bar, you go, oh shit, I don't know anything. And it sort of gives you a, uh, a little Humbles bit of a, you a bit. reality check. Yeah. But when you're in law school, you just think, oh, you want to know about torts.
1: Yeah. Who doesn't? Well, everybody's Nobody. just always walking around <laughs> thinking, if I only had someone that could just come up to me and explain torts to me. You know who can explain torts? Jim Adler, the Texas hammer. <laughs> and Ted Bundy, probably. <laughs> probably. But yeah, what do you think? Well, I mean, he's. Obviously, a shit bag i it is interesting to me how, even after he's in prison, he's still rewriting his story, yeah, that's very fascinating to me, and I think he is definitely a sociopath and a psychopath in later episodes, we'll kind of get into what where all that came from. I don't think he was born this way, no, I don't think any anyone's really born this way, but Some things that happened in his childhood and later on kind of, he kind of paved his own way. It's like all of these things can happen to somebody and you don't choose to murder and rape women. True. I think he had a lack of uh, identity growing up because they changed his name. He he didn't
0: know his real mom. He didn't know his real dad. He gets taken away from his grandparents and he's thrust into some guy he doesn't really fit in with. He doesn't, you know, Johnny Bunny didn't really like him. Then all of a sudden he's a big brother. He didn't want to be that. So he was kind of a little bit forced to do a bunch of stuff he didn't want to do. And I think that when he finally meets Stephanie Diane, the girl that, you know, the girl of his dreams, he thinks, oh, finally, I have a place. I'm going to do this. And she basically said, looks at him, knows him, because he said they dated, they would spend a lot of time together, go driving around and go on these, you know, long road trips. And, and she finally knew truly who he was and said, you know, you're kind of a loser.
1: <laughs> After she got to know him. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of a harsh... Yeah, he had never really been accepted. He never really fit in, and he always was self conscious about the way he was brought up. The fact that his parents didn't have money, his weird middle school titties, his that—that <laughs> was you. Well, his childhood friend said in their neighborhood, while all the kids were friends, there was a clear division of the haves and have nots. Oh yeah, and his, his family was in the have not. Oh yeah, his dad was a line co- or yeah. a cook. You had know. a respectable job, but he was always embarrassed by that. He, his, he had some cousins that were wealthy, and he always envied them and wished that his father could have the same type of wealth that his uncle did. So, And that's interesting, too, that he sought out these women that had, came mm-hmm. from wealthy families. Yeah. Again, kind of just wanting to rewrite his own story and, and fake it till you make it. Become, I think so. Become part of something that he wasn't ever included in.
0: Christy, we have some exciting news today we need to share our merch oh, shop yes. is open. It if is. you head to Sinisterhood.com, you'll see a link up in the top corner that says shop. And you too can get your wonderful Keeper Creepy Devil Rules the Airwave shirt and a Sinisterhood Lucky 13 shirt. There cause y'all are know that's our favorite onesies. Number. Baby onesies. Someone You're asked. I'm so sorry to report. Someone asked if we had the onesies in adult sizes. We don't. I've had several people ask that. <laughs> I
1: believe they're called bodysuits. <laughs> um, I don't think we have My them. question is... Why do you want to wear one? Who doesn't want a shirt that snaps in the crotch? I, You know, those were a thing back in the 80s, and I had many of them. They have them in American Apparel. They're still a thing, yes. You know how I know I shouldn't wear
0: one? Because they sell them in American Apparel. (laughs) I'm not that cool. No. But yeah, if you head to Sinisterhood.com, Click on shop in the top right corner. It'll take you to all the cool mugs, canvas, totes, hats, There's all sorts of stuff. Beanies, whatnot. So yeah, so let us know what you think. Send us a selfie hashtag yes, Sinisterhood Merch do.
1: and show us what you're wearing. Can't wait to Only see if everyone it's... in these t shirts. Please. Well, many of you have asked if we have a Patreon where you can donate to the show. We do. Our show will always remain free, but if you wish to donate to help offset the cost of making and hosting the show, you can visit www.patreon.com forward slash Sinisterhood. You can get some sweet perks like Patreon-exclusive content, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group, a special shout-out on the show, and a monthly bonus mini-sode. So head on over. And uh, check out some of our cool video content. We work really hard to bring you. And you can stick around after our sign-off to hear our Patreon shout-outs.
0: Yes, please. Well, the best thing you can do to help us
1: grow is like, review, and subscribe
0: on iTunes. Thanks for everybody that's done that so far. It really helps a small podcast like us get lots of exposure. And it's going to help us stay at the Adolphus Hotel soon. So you're going (laughs) to see uh, what comes of that. So head to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and give us a review. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod or like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood.
1: Christy, where are you at? I am on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. Heather, what about you? At Heather vs. The World on Instagram
0: and at MCK vs. The World on Twitter. As always,
1: the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for subscribing to be loyal patrons. We appreciate you so much. Specifically, Jennifer Enoxon. Amanda. Rachel Rose. That's a fun name. Kelly Cohen. I'm going to say Warner. It could also be Werner. I know. It's Werner Padilla. Who you know is, this person? Yes. Oh. We work together at Seadog.
0: Shout out, Warner. Love you. Oh, nice. You. Thank you, Frenchie. Thank you so much. Allie. Summerlee Riley.
1: Also a very pretty name.
0: All of your names are pretty and all of you are pretty and we love you so much because we really appreciate all of the support. I will be sending out your Patreon stickers on the 15th as usual and uh, Christy and I are going to draw some little pictures on the back. So please enjoy. Keep it creepy. Bye. Sinister